0: What's up, y'all? My name's Lonray and you're listening to In The Mix, where I get to speak with artists from all over, from all walks of life, about the music industry, our personal lives, and how they mix together. And hey, maybe you'll learn something on the way. This is a place where artists can just be artists. Welcome to In The Mix. Welcome to another episode of In The Mix. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to some of my West Coast friends. We have Aaron, Risto, Chris, Michaela, Keeler, and Natalie. How's everybody doing today?
1: Doing good. good. We're doing Doing. great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm from Atlanta, so I'm a little later in the day for you guys, but I've been to LA and I know it's already a beautiful day. I don't even have to check my weather
2: app. (laughs) <laughs> it's a bit foggy actually today today's been a bit of a it's a bit bit, bit of a fogster is <laughs> it really kind yeah.
1: Of
3: yeah yeah we're getting june a gloom rain. a little early it's may yeah. gloom now we need something that rhymes with may but that yeah. means gloom may great well oh, may great may great okay. there you go yeah.
0: there you go yep you get on the call with artists and it doesn't even take that long
3: right? Lyrics.
0: Yeah. I was actually not the I best in, lyric, but Hey, <laughs> hey, that works. I was in LA last June and I remember I was there like all month. And I was like, I haven't seen one cloud since I've been here. And it actually got kind of frustrating. Cause I was like, how do you guys get like relief from the sun?
4: <laughs> um, I literally carry sunscreen in my car with me because I'm from new England. So mm-hmm. my skin is not built for all of this sunshine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely get that. It's it's intense, but it's so beautiful. I just mm-hmm.
4: don't go outside. <laughs>
0: See, that's that too. Yep. <laughs> it's one of
2: yeah, those
0: I'm,
4: vampires. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. I'm originally from Finland, so I have many years of not having sunshine. So I'm just going to uh, use all the charge that I've got left. I'm just going to use it like taking in the sun right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I have no place to complain, then, Rissa. I, I was in Finland this, um this past December for my birthday. Oh really? And yeah. We went to I forgot we were at like the igloos, like the ice igloos, and they were just explaining like the way everything works with like the sun and I was like, that is insane that sunlight <laughs> is a commodity. <laughs>
2: yeah exactly i mean have you ever been during the midsummer like like midsummer
0: no that that's on my bucket list to do that I heard yeah because
2: that right. that's a really trippy thing it's like it's not gonna be like the movie midsummer <laughs> yeah. oh thank god <laughs> there there isn't a cult like that but it's, okay. it's much the crazy thing is because light 24 7 so like midsummer is coming up now and June so it means like you know when you go out to a restaurant or a bar or or clubbing or whatever you'll come out like you know at three four in the morning and it's still going to be completely light so it's a a very trippy trippy thing and then you'll go to bed and you'll wake up and it's light again yeah
0: yeah y'all for the other people on the call if you have the chance of going to Finland highly recommend it is such a surreal slash like beautiful experience like I went during December obviously so it's like very dark outside for 90% of the day mm-hmm. and then you have it's not even sunlight really it's just like you get the cusp of the sun right <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah. really cool
2: yeah exactly so it's, it's a little I mean I find it a bit depressing so that's why I ran away to California I'm like there's plenty of light here you know so yeah. like the sun then <laughs> All right. Yeah. So
0: great to meet everyone. I want the listeners to get to know you as well. So uh, we'll kind of go around the horn here and I'll just pick somebody. So we'll start with Chris.
5: Yeah, Uh, I'm Chris Sangster. I am a music producer, mix engineer and mastering engineer. I run Sangster Sounds, uh, where my goal is to help independent artists and composers achieve the full potential of their music through a combination of production, mixing, mastering, and education. Awesome.
0: And then uh, anybody can go next, or I can pick on somebody.
6: I'll go. Uh, My name is Kyler, Kyler Avery, and I'm I'm 18 years old. Uh, I'm a singer, songwriter, and a recording artist. Uh, awesome. I gig around San Diego and uh, uh, Temecula. I'm working my way up to L.A. But, um, yeah, I, I released my first EP in December of 2021, and I've released a couple of singles since then. I just released my new single, San Diego, last month. And, yeah, I'm just working towards being a full-time musician after I graduate high school in one week. I'm graduating in one week. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. Congratulations. Woo! Thank you. Yeah, That's awesome.
4: Thank you. Um, I guess I'll go next. I am Michaela D. Jordan, and I am the founder of Golden Poppy. Golden Poppy is an artist-focused alternative to a traditional management and label structure. Uh, We offer an artist everything that they may need to forward their career. Um, That includes, you know, producing, marketing, management, label services, etc. I am also, by night, uh, the CTS, which is my music project. Um, I've played in Amsterdam, Los Angeles, um, have been on international radio and, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, do that by night. So manager by day, rockstar by night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of different hats.
4: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I guess I'll go um resto mietin and or Risto on music as well. I'm a film and TV composer and um I score films, I work on composer teams, and then I also write for various music libraries. And I probably have about like, I don't know, a few hundred pieces of music on TV at the moment, from everything from documentaries to reality TV shows to like um film and TV promos oh, and cool. you know and TV series as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Yeah.
7: I'll go. Um, My name's Natalie and I'm a singer songwriter and an actress. I'm originally from Colorado. I moved here when I was 18 and I've been here ever since just having fun and you know going for it and enjoying the journey along the way. Um, My style is mostly acoustic. I play guitar, piano, ukulele and I really love just genuine authentic sounds and music. So yeah.
0: That's awesome Natalie. All right and Aaron?
7: Hey, this is Erin
3: Carrera. I started out in life as a singer-songwriter, and I moved to Los Angeles 15 years ago because I got signed to a label called Spinout Records. And I toured, and some of you might remember about 15 years ago what happened with the economy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> labels and music distribution in general. I did survive, but I ended up um, having to part ways with the label. And I started reformatting myself as a singer. I actually went back. I got my, finished my degree, which was in music performance at Manhattan School of Music. I learned how to really sing anything from opera to Broadway, to pop, to rock, to jazz, to folk, to country, literally almost anything. I mean, I don't want to say that I'm going to be the world's best punk rocker or throat singer uh, per se, but what I do these days in music, besides being a vocalist on many scores I've scored as a vocalist on so many different kinds of projects from commercials to film because I can use my voice so versatilely I also am a screenwriter and film producer and I'm always looking to create projects that are either about musicians about music or in which music is used in an impactful way
0: mm-hmm. That's really interesting I like that Erin
3: Thank
0: you And a very colorful background as well
3: <laughs> Thanks
0: Yeah So, yeah, like sort of just from what I'm hearing with everyone from going to high school, being a musician to, you know, scoring TV and things like that, how and this can open up to anybody who wants to start first, like how do you guys deal with wearing so many different hats and giving enough of yourself to each position that you have? Like how Um, do you sort of like balance that?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: yeah so for me personally uh when i was recording my ep before i released it i was in my junior year of high school i was 16 um and i just turned 18 like a couple of months ago but um mm-hmm. for me i'm really lucky that i have a an amazing support system like my parents have always supported me in everything that i do so yeah. I, I i'm one of the super super lucky ones i I owe so much to them because like my mom would write notes to the attendants at my school and be like Kyler's not feeling well she has a doctor's <laughs> appointment and I would really just go to like record my songs and work with my yeah. producer and stuff and uh, <laughs> and so yeah I I think that for for me a lot of it is uh I can you know feel the support that that I get and I'm and I'm super lucky that I can follow my passion because of it uh, it's not mm-hmm. all exactly weighing on me and um I'm very grateful for that. That that's pretty much how I how I can continue doing what I do.
0: Yeah, Kylie, that's oh sorry.
4: Oh no, I was just um I relate to that so much because mm-hmm. I was also in a band all through high school and my parents basically had the deal with me like if you keep your grades up, you can skip first period if you have a game yeah. before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
4: Um but I guess to answer, answer the question as well, um, is basically for me, it's like time management. I mm. decide that between, you know, I, I devote a certain number of hours to each client a week and I make sure that they're getting my full attention during that time. And then I basically try to treat my own music like it is a client I'm managing as well.
1: Mm. So
4: I basically, yeah, I basically negotiate with myself, like, how many hours are you putting into your own music mm-hmm. this week in your rehearsals or whatever? And that's basically how I can get away with, with wearing so many hats is that I know that if somebody decides that they have, you know, seven hours a week with Golden Poppy, I know that Compeller High Water, no matter what I'm doing, I can microtask all I want. But for seven hours in my week, that person is getting all of my focus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And that that's honestly, Michaela, like a lesson that I'm learning, Um, you know, three, four years into like uh, my music career and just learning like how to compartmentalize like all the different facets of my music career and then everything else on top of that. Right. And learning the balance um, just so like nothing suffers, you know, yeah, that's
2: absolutely. awesome. Yeah. And I guess mm. then there's also the financial part that is always to remember, like who, oh, yeah. you know, which which gigs are paying. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing how to balance that and all yes. like and I think a big thing that I, I think I've learned as well is like is all the paperwork and sitting down and negotiating and you know, reading the fine print. That's also something that you really set need to set time for. As well as like, since we're just coming out of tax season, it's also like, personally, I'm an independent contractor. So Mm -hmm. having that set up in a particular way with your accountant or however, or QuickBooks or however you do it, I think that's really important to like in the, in the hats that you wear. I Think that it's really boring, but it's really important to remember, like, okay, I'm my own little business yeah. or big business, maybe maybe for some some of you. And it's just mm-hmm. like remember and just remember, like, okay, this stuff is not fun, but it's also a really big part of being being a musician and managing everything and just devoting enough time to that as well. Oh that's yeah, mm-hmm. important aspect. About-
0: yeah. And Natalie, do you have any uh, like tips or insights about how you sort of manage all the different hats that you wear in your career and kind of like outside of that as well?
7: Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the time management part. That's really important. And it's definitely something that I'm still learning as well. I feel like you you get better as you do it more and more. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, for me right now, I also do um, some video editing and I do behind the scenes work as well as in front of the camera and music and performing. Um so it's been a balance for me balancing behind the scenes and performance aspects of both film and music. Um so going back to the video editing. Video editing is very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I find that I can be sitting at the computer for for days or hours and then I find myself thinking I haven't done anything else.
0: Right. And is so, that Yeah. It is and is video editing a passion of yours? Is that something that you're really good at that Uh, brings in money for your actual passions
7: yeah it's i am very passionate about it and i definitely do it mainly for the passion as opposed to to music
0: yeah and the time
7: management is super important with anything i can agree
0: oh yeah for sure and like the reason i asked is because so like apart from being a singer songwriter i do digital marketing Uh, for in-house for a company. Yeah, thank you. And one thing I'm starting to realize, like I I do like digital marketing. It's it's what I went to college for. And, you know, I've been doing it for the past seven years, but there's nothing, it very much like fails in comparison into my passion for music. Like music is why I feel like I'm on this earth, but um, digital marketing is very lucrative, you know, and it's it's especially lucrative like in the music industry as well. So it's like sort of finding, the balance between the two and, and making sure that, you know, that stuff I'm doing for digital marketing obviously uh, is bringing in a a lot more money than music is right now. So it's like finding the time for that, but then also finding the time for like where my creativity lies and everything's been uh, an uphill battle. I put it that way.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to pipe in about that though. This is Aaron, Uh, because I feel like it's always been that way one way or another. Like, even people who are household name celebrities aside from a very few they're still always having you know for example um they're putting their money in investments mm-hmm. or they have their licensing companies or there's always different ways that people are creating passive income mm-hmm. and i actually think that's yeah. really valuable for people to think about like you yeah. might know um A person for their music, but they may also have holdings in uh, properties or Mm -hmm. in companies that do fast food or, you know, all sorts of different things. And I think it's, it's kind of more the norm than not. It's just maybe something people don't talk about as much.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good point, Aaron, because I feel like whenever we talk about, you know, doing other things outside of music, we're always talking about like endorsement deals and sort of like these, you know, larger than life, like things. Right. But then when we look at just the people in this chat right now, like, you know, some of us have side jobs or some of us have other music adjacent jobs that are like more lucrative at the time. And I think it's kind of always going to be that way. Right. Like music in just the way the uh, like the pricing structure is set out on streaming platforms. Now, like you don't really make that much money, from music um anymore definitely not um like right now like the way the music is so that that that's really interesting that you said that and one of the main reasons I wanted to have this conversation was because I love hearing that other people are having the same kind of experiences and kind of exposing non-musicians to the reality of it
1: and also
2: another important thing I think where I went with the streaming thing is because mm-hmm. we're all musicians here. It's like, if you guys aren't, you know, members of BMI, ASCAP or well, CSAC or whichever society, it's always important to keep the pressure on. Because mm-hmm. all these companies like Spotify and Apple Music, like they have the money and they can do mm-hmm. better. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I do quite a lot of work for um, for other like for I do work for BBC and then the, the German, one of the TV channels, RTL Plus, I think it is. And because mm-hmm. it's um, government subsidized, they're actually their rates are actually pretty good. I'd say mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, I've had a bunch of music on Dateline on NBC, which has mm-hmm. been that's also been a really good earner for me. And it shows. And, and again, because the rates can be adjusted and things can be changed. And my thoughts are really like Spotify and a lot of these like stream platforms. They're really getting away with murder in some of these cases mm-hmm. with the rates mm-hmm. being so low. And yeah. it's like, you know, without musicians, they wouldn't have anything. And my right. final final thought in this rant is like, and then they have certain big name artists that they'll to cut a deal with. But mm-hmm. most folks, like if you don't have Taylor Swift numbers, then they aren't going to do any deals with you. So I think there's there's a balance that it can be changed and can be adjusted.
0: Right.
4: Amen right. to that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Also, exactly. it's it's. um talking about like different forms of income, especially like if you are a musician, I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of musicians realize that, yeah, you're releasing music, but all around yourself, you're creating a brand.
1: Yes. And what you're
4: doing is yeah. you're marketing and selling that brand back to people through your merch, through your shows, mm-hmm. through, your, through your video performances and everything else. And, yes. you know, that's, that's why these big artists and these huge names like lady gaga and ariana grande like mm-hmm. yeah there is the person that is the face of this mm-hmm. but that is a brand that is a whole company
0: yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and one interesting thing i learned was to be intentional about that michaela like from day one uh someone's like you know if this is your musician name you need to trademark it you need to do Uh, You need to incorporate the LLC that's going to be funding all of your music endeavors, like the whole shebang, really. And that was just so, I didn't understand it then, but now that I have those things and to exactly your point, it's like, that is what I'm building. Yes, music is a part of it, but it's like one, it's, it's kind of like the driver of everything else that is the brand.
4: It becomes when you right. be, when you make your passion your business. That's what you have to do. You have to make it a business.
0: Right. Right. And uh that leads very well into my next question, but uh Chris, I wanted to know your thoughts on that.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I think we've we've long passed the the point in time where music is a product that you can sell and make reliable income on. Yeah. I think the the world we live in now is that the music is just uh, the gateway to get people into your world and you're really selling them yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think I try to encourage all the artists that I work with to think of themselves as a small business. Yeah. You know, you you really have to take that approach that I'm not only an artist, a creative person, but I'm also an entrepreneur right. because that's really at the end of the day, the mindset that I think you have to have in order to make a sustainable career for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, like going to what your music, like w- what is the subs- uh, substantial value of what you're doing in the industry, right? So like, what are you, like, what are your beliefs? Like what, what do you stand on? Because you can't just get into this thinking it's a uh, get rich, like quick thing. Cause it's the exact opposite of that. It's like, yeah. you have <laughs> to have like the right mentality of but like- lose rich quick- Yes. <laughs> yeah. You look at those books, it's like, well, I've lost a lot of more money than I've gained. But I think when you have an entrepreneurial like mindset, that's that's every business, you know?
4: So, like, I don't know, just a little side note, do not <laughs> underestimate the power of a barter in this industry. Like, mm. it is vital to getting so much done. You know, like, yeah. barter your mixing services for someone to play guitar on your album, like something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, Chris, have you uh ran into that a lot, like uh when starting like your mixing business?
5: Yeah, definitely. I think especially when I was first starting out, you know, I was doing tons of free work, you know, tons of yeah, work for other exchanges of goods and services, definitely. Right. Um, as I've gotten a little more established, I'm I'm a I'm a little more rigid about, about price and and not doing free work, but even mm-hmm. you know, even nowadays that I do mostly paid work. I I still have, you know, people that I I will help out because they're friends, you know, they're in my community and they're people that I believe in and want to support. And so I think it's important to have that network of people that, you know, it's not so much about a client customer relationship, but
2: it's really just about being supportive and, Mm. you know, being good friends. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really good point about like, um, Sometimes some projects, maybe they might not be financially that valuable at first, but maybe they can help you to get get you where you want to go. So I think that's a Mm -hmm. really important important thing to remember because like you can't always everything is not going to be financially great. But this might lead to a great relationship if you do a great job for somebody and Mm -hmm. they'll remember that. Or it might be a good intro for you to say like, okay, hey, like I can do the style of music, like check this out. And it might be a good demo and it might be a good lead in with a company, a group of people.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like. Building community, I think like a lot of people focus on the monetary aspect of playing music in the music industry. And it's like, yeah, it's great when you can make a living. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all doing this to build community and connect with people because that's all music really is, is just a tool to speak to people and a tool to connect people to each other.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. And Michaela, to your point, because I feel like um, and this is goes to anybody who's starting out, who's listening, um, who's starting out in the music industry. It is so, so important to make a great impression for people and to really like connect and grow your network um, horizontally versus vertically. Um, and by that, I mean, people who are emerging artists like you and who are maybe in the same city, but who are getting their, their foot on the ground um, because I found like four, three, four years into my career that the people who I started out with are now getting like huge opportunities. Right. And like working with amazing artists, but at the same time, it's like, we have built such a great relationship that even though their fees have gone up for other people, their fees haven't gone up for me, you know, and, and vice versa. So I think um, just ha- just getting those connections and maintaining them um, because that that's what it's really all about. That's literally what we do. And that's how that's the kind of people that I feel like we are. I agree. Sure.
4: You lift yes. your community. It lifts you up.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. right? exactly.
3: And even then on the business level, like so many jobs mm-hmm. I've had have all been word of mouth referrals, like people yeah. like, oh, you need someone who can sing Bach for your film score. I know the perfect person. And you know, am I the perfect box singer? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I, mm-hmm. I know how to do it in a studio for a film score. So yeah. I get a lot. And that's all from friends and community. You know, that's really important. It's, it's And then I always try to return that goodwill, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever I can refer my friends that I know also because I know their work is great. I know their quality. I know what they stand for. I definitely want them to build up as well.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a really good point. But also, I think, and I think, good thing what we think about also is like when things go wrong as well. Because I know, especially when you're starting out and you're networking, things might always not be perfect. Because you might reach out to somebody and they might be busy or you might reach out to somebody a little bit too often, so they might get annoyed with you. And these things happen, and I'd say to anybody starting out, like if something goes wrong, don't worry. It's it's not like a reality TV show, an American Idol or a pop idol, where they go, this is your last chance. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's there's definitely gonna be more chances down the road, and everybody has had moments where like things maybe haven't worked out, or there was a referral that you got, and then mm-hmm. it turned out you weren't the right fit. And it's like, these things do happen as well. And I wish kind of people talked about that a little bit more as well. Cause it, it's not mm-hmm. always a, always a, um, what's right. What's right. What a straight ride.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: I think to that point as well, it's like, um, not every opportunity is the only opportunity or the last opportunity. And I think, right. I mean, this is just my two cents about the industry, but I think a lot of people, uh, kiss the asses of assholes or abusive people because they feel <laughs> Yeah, they feel like, oh my god, well, this person has so many connections. It's like, yeah, and so does everybody else. So like, right. you don't need to pander to this shitty person, right? You know, just for that. And I think we all need to do less of that.
2: Yeah, and to be honest yeah, with you, exactly. I- oh, go ahead. No, I was just I was just agreeing there because it's it's a very disturbing thing is like quite often you find people who can get into a very powerful position of power Mm -hmm. and then then the types of deals that they will offer will not be very favorable and just Mm -hmm. because that person holds that position everybody runs up to them thinking that's the only opportunity but Mm -hmm. it is not there's so many ways around that so that's something i'd love to see that people would be like okay if somebody offers you that is really terrible maybe it's not really worth taking that Mm -hmm. that kind of behavior or that kind of like um I guess abuse of power, abuse of contract. Maybe that's the better word. that yeah. it wouldn't be supported because again, because like they're like even currently with the writer strike, mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just find that Example. completely r- r- ridiculous. That it's just like, hello, these are writers that they, you know. Without mm-hmm. the writers, we don't have any shows to watch or any shows to rent music for or any shows to like, you know, sing on or to like, play songs on. So it's like, mm-hmm. come on, I think there's a better way to work together. All in all, it doesn't always have to be greed. I guess we'll yeah. be ranting and raving about that.
1: And
2: then that,
0: that's good. <laughs> I think standing on your values has been something that I've honestly had to really work on. Um, and it's something that I'm still working on as well. And and learning like, okay, this I don't care if it's like I'm at a deadline and I really need this deliverable from like a producer or engineer or whatever. If you know if that takes a long time and if that's like um a no-go for me, then I have to let it go just based on like, you know, my mental health and, and my level of like taking taking on more stress when it doesn't really need to be that way. So I, I like that you guys are saying that. And it's something that I, you know, I wish people did talk about more because it's so common in the music industry. And um, maybe like, Aaron, you have insight on this of like, even in the film industry, how people just really just take anything just because they either think it's like scarcity or, you know, they just want want to get it done in a like quicker manner or whatever.
3: Well, there's a really interesting—I might even say—dirty secret about the entertainment industry, which is that so much of it is run on fear rather than <laughs> oh, yes.
1: oh, yeah, yes. love or
3: purpose. You know, so mm-hmm. one thing, and I, you know, I'm—I've uh, been here pre and post Me Too, and mm-hmm. um, I know that that it's been pretty interesting to watch uh younger generations i'm very happy for younger generations i think it's not just about sexual harassment for example i think it's also about like how we treat our assistants or people in, who are up and coming mm-hmm. um and i feel like it is better it is better there is more respect but obviously we're striking for a reason you know and mm-hmm. um i i kind of feel like one of the things that i learned You know, the hard way, but that I think maybe others can learn by looking at generations before is if you know your purpose and what you stand for, it will definitely give you a better opportunity to not act out of desperation when you're starting out. Because, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot people will take because they're so afraid they won't make it. And a lot of people in positions of power are so afraid of picking the wrong person or losing money or losing their job that they're not really. Being open minded and open hearted either. And I feel that if you know who you are, and you know what you stand for, and you just determine you're not going to let people stop you, you will find your people and you will find your way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's there's quite a lot of those kind of people that kind of like sometimes maybe they don't really get to the top of the tree, but they end up somewhere in the mid-level, perhaps a little bit, where they can prey on people and it becomes very much easy for them to have these kind of predatory business practices like I found,
4: Mm.
2: if that made any sense. some
4: some people will be like some people will be like oh well I know this person and this person or I can get you into this venue and it's like so they think it allows them to give you license to treat you like shit and Mm
1: -hmm.
4: I've definitely been in that situation you know with people who have been like oh well, I can get you into this venue I'm like yeah and I can get into that venue in other ways you know Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. just like to flaunt the little bit of power they have because it makes them feel secure you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I completely agree about, you know, if people came to these opportunities more in like believing in a project or collaboratively, instead of just being like, Oh, well, that person has 17 million followers and they're probably the safer marketing bet, you know, then Mm -hmm. we'd see a big change in this industry.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I had a really interesting conversation the other day and I'm really glad that we have an engineer on the, on the call because One of the things that I learned like pretty early on, um, this is like going back to when I I was first starting out when I was like 15, 16, was just like how much work it took for um, like to get a product, right, for the final product of a song and how much work like audio engineers actually put into it. And one thing I just because I have really close friends who are audio engineers now and and mixing and mastering engineers and stuff and just like hearing some of this like horror stories really of just like what their clients uh, constantly like demand of them and, you know, sometimes not getting paid and sometimes being overlooked. And there's just like, that's one example, right? But there's a lot of things in the music industry and music industry adjacent jobs that have that sort of stigma. And um, I'm interested like to open this up to you guys, especially to you, Chris, like, how do we get past that. You know, like how, like for me, I can I can say that one thing I've been doing is making sure that when I'm promoting any of my projects that I I highlight the audio engineer, right? Because I know that like that's really 90% of what the listener is listening (laughs) to. I just happen to be one of the instruments and like the face of it. Um so yeah, I'd love to open it up to you guys to see, you know, specifically for that example because we're all musicians on the call, but you know, just in general, like the different you know, hidden parts of, uh, the music industry.
5: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, crediting everyone involved with the making of your music is, is key. And I I really appreciate you bringing that up. That's something I, I definitely believe in a lot. Um, I also think, you know, hopefully, all of us that are are you know on the younger side of things and are coming up in this industry and eventually will you know hopefully go on to be the old guard in this industry have had enough bad experiences that we'll do things differently when we're in those positions of power so i really just think right. we have to take the onus on ourselves that when we are in those positions of power that we do things differently than maybe Mm -hmm. the way that we were treated. I mean, I was certainly treated terribly when I first started as as an assistant engineer. So, you know, I, I carry that memory with me and, you know, try to do things a different way. Yeah. it's
4: awesome. Uh, It's very true. I think too, (laughs) like, you know from a from a marketing and management standpoint too making sure that you stay connected with everybody that worked on a project or a song with you and you know tagging them through the promotional process and making sure to publicly thank them in the announcement is very important because then they will take pride in the project as well and go and share it with their network and sometimes it's not the quantity of people looking at the project it's the quality and if you're able to make really good connections based on you know the people who the folks you work with have worked with then that can be incredibly beneficial
0: right
6: yeah I, I think from like my stance as an artist too is i work with the producer his name is mark suhonen i've worked with him on on literally everything i've released um he's really great but i think uh just understanding that you can't do any of this alone in any of sense um mm-hmm. i know that i can't so just kind of i think it comes down to like as an artist like not having that ego of like oh i'm so much better than anyone else like that's just not true yeah Um, and making sure that in in that sense like i know that whenever i'm releasing a song or if i'm in the studio if i post anything i always tag my producer um posting pictures of him that he can he can post and i'll tag him and make sure everyone knows that you know this was not a solo project
4: um Mm. and, and things like that
0: yeah love that you are
4: so young and you already know that
0: right (laughs) that's so awesome most
4: 18 year olds who are musicians are like i am the best and the fact that you the fact (laughs) that you already have that attitude of collaboration is amazing
0: yeah thank you fantastic and anybody else with some like insight of different like industry things for my example was definitely about the like mixing engineers and sound engineers, but I'm sure there's like different aspects. Like for another thing I found too, it's like, so promoters, I'll just be honest, are hit or miss as far as like likability as in my experience. (laughs) But um, one thing I've learned was to keep, and maybe that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about like, you know, kind of getting treated like crap and not um, standing up for your values. But they do hold a lot of cards, especially in the L.A. scene, right, where, you know, everybody knows each other. So it's really good to maintain that good relationship. But, you know...
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. One thing I I just say within that, because there's the very common saying is that everybody knows each other. That mm-hmm. might be true, but it doesn't mean that they all like each other and they're all alike. <laughs> <Facts>. <laughs> so they, yeah. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. one thing I've come to find it. It like, yeah. you know, whatever. Bob knows Steve and they have two venues or they whatever they run two music libraries or they're working on TV shows, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're gonna be alike. And if right. they hear that you've been having problems with like one of them, it doesn't mean that you're automatically blacklisted. It, it might mean that one of the guys might look at you yeah i think that guy's also a bit of an idiot too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, it might, might, might also happen because yeah quite often it, when you have problems with somebody usually it's not not you who might be having the problems it might be other people who have similar experiences right it
4: could be a miscommunication
2: mm-hmm. right yeah 100 percent.
4: Right. i think um Honestly, I'm going through an album release. cycle with an artist right now, and we have just Mm -hmm. found this absolute rock star PR team. Mm -hmm. And you guys got to remember, like a PR team, they're like the OG influencers, man. Like they're the people that know how to connect you with the right things. And if you find a good one, they're like gold. But if you find a bad one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not a good time. It's really tricky to find a good one.
0: Yeah, I used to work in Pete. Oh, go ahead.
4: Oh, no, I'm just saying that's why so many artists choose to self-promote these days. You know, why so many artists are just like, well, I'll just be an influencer then. Yeah. And, you know, they just learn to do it themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like that that's the case with a lot of different aspects, though, too, because it, it's so... I'm blessed because I came from a digital marketing background and a PR background. So a lot of these things are very familiar to me when I was starting my career. But one thing I I noticed very quickly was that that that's rare, you know, so it, it was it was easy for people like me to kind of jump into that and to and to spot out the phonies like you were talking about, Michaela. But um, I I think one, one thing I really like about the music industry today is that everybody's so DIY, you know, and everybody's like really, the people who are really passionate about it and willing to put in the work, they're very eager to learn about these things and to learn how to, to uh, do digital advertising and to learn how to uh, promote shows and things like that.
4: Absolutely. I'm finding that um, that's really why I started Golden Poppy is because like, Mm -hmm you know, as an artist, I realized so many artists don't need an entire team. A lot of them are very good at doing certain things by themselves. Like some of them are great marketers and some of them are great producers. Right. So it's like, I created a space so that everybody could pick and choose what they needed, you know, mm-hmm. and then they they can find the support where they need it, but also, you know, be the driving force behind their careers. And I think that is mm-hmm kind of the way things are turning in the industry right now where it's very much more artists controlled, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I love that. I'm interested to hear like from another uh, singer on the call, like Natalie, do we need labels?
7: <laughs> um, honestly, my personal opinion, I don't believe that you really do nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think some, sometimes depending on the person, depending on the situation and, you know, your personal preferences, um, you might want one, but I think especially with with social media, and I'm glad that, Michaela, you mentioned the influencer thing, um, because with social media that's become such a such a big thing nowadays, it's almost like the entire marketing aspect of things has shifted to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everybody nowadays is wanting TikTokers, and, you know, you need a certain amount of followers with, with a lot of people to even be considered someone you could say, quote-unquote,
4: I agree with Natalie. Um, I could do a whole podcast about the pros and cons of labels.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I've, I mean, I'm sure like it's the same case with a lot of people on the call, but like I grew up thinking, okay, I'm going to get signed to Atlantic. And then that's when my life is going to change. I'm going to be touring around the world, blah, blah, blah. But the reality of that, even back then, you know, like that's it's lightning in a bottle when that happens. And then even then that was when people were still developing artists. And now that job has been put on the artists and their managers, you know, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I feel like, okay, if you're making an, it, I kind of think of labels as a business loan almost. And um, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if I'm doing all the work, then Why it like because that's a crazy, like, uh, like interest rate. Then, if that's a business loan, if I'm doing all the work and you're uh giving me like the X amount of money and then you expect like so much of it back, right? Like to be recouped. So, Mm -hmm. I'm you know, I'm curious to think what you guys think. I, you know, obviously, I still want to get signed to a record label and, and sign a deal, but my uh, vision of it has definitely changed, and kind of to Natalie's point, it's like it's it feels very empowering to know that like we have the power as artists to do that ourselves now.
2: But right. I'd, well, I'd, I'd ask, you, ask you this question I'm though, is like, well, like on, on, on the artist, like on um, development side, mm-hmm. where does that lie? Who develops the artist? Because I'd say like a lot of the TikTok content is quite gimmicky. And it's not basically like, um. well, I think I'm a bit older. So I mean, here's my old man rant, but maybe some of the music isn't like, I don't know. I'm curious to see like in about 20 years, how much of the music is going to have a lot of staying power? Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of music from like from the 90s, for example. It's in early 2000s, but I think it's, it sticks around and see it more in TV shows than music, say, from a couple of years ago. Or, or, or am I completely wrong? And it's just that uh, people are developing fine on TikTok. Because I feel like the artist development stuff is not happening as much as it used to. So if, if the labels don't, if there's a label to help with that, who would help with that? Or does anybody need any help with that?
7: Mm. I, I think like With there. the rise of, sorry, with the rise of, of TikTok, it's kind of like, and really any social media in general nowadays, it can, be, it can be a good thing or a bad thing, because I'm sure we've all seen... You know, a TikToker or something that has a lot of followers, and their music might not be that great. Mm-hmm. It's more that they get the attention because they have a big following. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people that are are really, really talented musicians or singers or artists um, on Instagram or wherever, and they might have like 500 followers, but they're better than the ones with millions. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 my question is a little bit more. Is it more about being? an artist or is it more about being a, say, is it social media personality? Would that be the right term? Because I feel like those two are battling it out a little bit. Like I work in film and TV, so it's not really my lane that much, but I kind of dip my head in there every once in a while. And I I just notice it changing that to me, it feels it's more about the social media personality these days, but I could be wrong. So what do you guys think?
6: I, I, I think that um, when it comes to, like the battle between the two of them, I guess, is how you put it. Uh, As an artist, I think there's a lot more value in like live performance. And I think that being an artist Mm -hmm. is like it's an all around job, while social media, you know, a lot of it is not real.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot
6: easier to fake it online than it is in, in real life. And I think that, yeah, I think TikTok is one of those, Those things that has a lot of benefits, but also a lot of a lot of cons to it, like you were saying about, you know, followers and and how many people are are looking at you, because a lot a lot of the times now I know that there have been so many situations where someone will send my music to a, a label or. Or whatever a manager and the first thing they will ask is how many followers do you have and if you don't have like a million <laughs> oh. now it's yeah, like yeah. you can't go anywhere they're not even gonna look at you so it sucks I, I think that when it comes yeah. to that you just have to remember like what do you value the most because for me live performance is everything you know I, I gig around all the time and and I want to be a touring artist as as much as I want to be a recording artist but uh so I think in that in that sense um to get out and and do things but also because of modern day like technology and stuff you have to have an online presence so I think you have to be both if you really want to do this like as a career um yeah so I think I think you have to have all of it really.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think there's like a couple different parts to that. I think what you're seeing a lot right now is on TikTok, people are going for that kind of fast food and fast digestion. They want something to hit very quickly Mm -hmm. and be a flash in the pan so that they can continue working with it and like gain a lot of followers very fast. Mm -hmm. So what musicians are doing is they're writing hooks. They're not writing songs or singles even anymore. They're writing hooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is... That's not creating anything of substance. Now, to like circle back to the label thing, a lot of labels think that a high volume of social media followers and a high interaction percentage means that their artist is marketable. However, what we're seeing a lot right now with these major labels is they are investing in artists that do not have long staying power because they're not actually making music of substance. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. Now you nailed it when you said, oh, it's like a it's like a business loan because that's basically all labels have become. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it used to be you went around and you gaged and then the A&R guy found you. Then the A&R mm-hmm. guy pulled you into the studio and they told you, because they worked for the label, they told you what the label wanted. You recorded what the label wanted. The label said that to radio. The label said that to TV. And then you were created.
1: Mm-hmm. But
4: all of that has been circumvented with social media. Right. An artist now has a direct platform. To, to submit their music. You can even go on DistroKid and CD Baby and and distribute yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. So
4: now all labels are doing is they're giving artists these massive advances. Mm-hmm. And then they're taking 50, 50% of their work. Yeah. And they're taking ownership. That I have the problem with mm-hmm. more so then a large advance that an artist has to pay back and they don't really, it's Mm -hmm. almost like student loans. It's almost like predatory.
1: Right. You know, because they
4: don't understand that they're not going to be able to pay that back because they're not making anything on streaming, Mm -hmm. you know, gigs, maybe you'll break even unless you're on stadium tours. Mm -hmm. So basically they either have to really hustle merch or brand deals and then just give everything back to the label.
0: Yeah. And isn't it funny how that circled back to what um, Aaron was mentioning before about like, you don't really make that much money in music. So like you have to do all of these things. And it's it only gets it only scales up the bigger of an artist that you become.
4: Exactly. Right? And that's that's why I think that's why like a lot of times I will advise artists against signing with labels, especially major labels, because they are not necessary anymore. They'll get you into these bigger names and but it's like you hire the right PR team and you can get into Rolling Stone. Like labels yeah. aren't really necessary anymore. Basically, right. they're an endorsement. They're a very mm-hmm. expensive endorsement,
2: you yeah. know?
4: And I just think that I it's really refreshing to hear Kayler talk about the fact that you are gigging all of the time because that is just the way that they used to do it back in the 70s and 80s. And I mm-hmm. think that we're about to see a resurgence of that as yeah. people are getting sick of digesting these little bits and pieces of songs and they want things of substance again
2: yeah but anyway rant mm. over
4: thank you
1: <laughs>
2: and no, that that's a great <laughs> rant that's good that you're so optimistic i don't know i just find it like i think it's getting shorter and shorter what people want to see
0: you see and I, i'm interested to see what chris y- you think about this and like how you work with artists and because you're you're you have a lot of different artists that you work with and you're kind of on like the ground like level with them, like when they're actually making the songs, like, do you see that trend happening with emerging artists as well? Like where they're just making like very hook heavy songs and like not really substantive.
5: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that trend. I think to, for me personally, I, I typically, the artists that I work with aren't like really doing that so much, um, but I definitely see that as a trend in the industry. I think for the artists that I work with and and honestly, just like as good advice, I think for any up and coming artists is don't think so much about. Oh, I want to sign to a major label. Like, honestly, like the three major labels, they're not going to offer you much unless like Mm -hmm. you're ready to take your career from being a star to like a super duper star. Like that's really all that they do anymore. Mm -hmm. And like anything below is just kind of like taking your money and taking your property, really. Mm -hmm. So I think you got to think about it more about how can you develop like a really dedicated, smaller fan base? Yes, because honestly, like okay. if you if you do the math, you don't really need that many fans to make a good living.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
5: if you have a thousand fans that you can get to buy one hundred dollars worth of your product a year, mm-hmm. you've made a hundred thousand dollars that year. Right. So it's it's not really for me anyway. About how do I become a super duper star? How do I become the next Beyonce? How do I become the next Taylor Swift? Mm-hmm. For me and the artists I work with, I try to look at it as how can I develop a really passionate fan base at mm-hmm. whatever scale that is appropriate for you and your music at the time. Right.
4: Quality yeah. over quantity.
5: Yeah, yes.
0: 100%. And I mean, you the two examples you just brought up, Beyonce, like Desi's child, her dad was taking them to like different like schools and things like that. Like the steps that they took, are still valid today you know and like the fact that they got oh, yeah. to where they they got to and th- one of the things that i've seen in the in the industry is like people are really trying to skip those steps that are so <laughs> vital that we think oh you know like this person has a million followers on tiktok let's give them you know um you know let's put a bunch of money into them and like uh start start their career when it, to what Michaela was saying it's like but at the end of the day that substance those steps were skipped so there's no continuity after that
2: you know and then there's also de- the development part, which I think that's what labels used to do back in the day they find an artist or work with an artist a band or you know with Destiny's Child for example and they're still at mm-hmm. like that development process that they take it through and yeah. introduce them to the different producers and different like songwriters or mixers what what have you not and I think that's really important in an artist stage even at a later point that you can kind of like develop a career that goes somewhere that Mm -hmm. isn't just like a gimmicky thing right
3: right I think I think we've even seen it with some of the shows that are talent shows which can be great they can be great to break people out but I I had a a friend who was on a talent show and then never but she was a good singer but she wasn't she didn't have a following So she was on the show, she toured with the show's tour after, and then nothing because Mm -hmm. she didn't have her own following and she didn't have the years of being in clubs like Kyler's talking about, right? She didn't have what so many musicians who, if they weren't developed by the label themselves and they were like, The Beatles who played in a cover band for years on end or, you know, uh, Dave Matthews band, right? Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd or Mm -hmm. even um, one of the bands from my hometown. I'm originally from Minneapolis. You know, you have like Semisonic and they were now there. That's no longer because the label, actually, because they owe. Ended up owing the label so much money, they can no longer perform under that name, even if they wanted to, although they all went on to have great songwriting and composing careers anyway. But still, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about people who really develop themselves, if not by the label. You want that. You want that for a long term Mm
0: -hmm. career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and Oh, go ahead.
4: No, I'm just, I, I'm i just in agreement because even I, I think uh, talent shows like American Idol, the X Factor, et cetera, that was like, that was like pre TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was the original like flash in the pan kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And we even saw it with like, you know, one hit wonder is such a ubiquitous term now mm-hmm. because people are so used to like, okay, here, I just need to hit it big one time, but then it's like consistency afterward. That
0: is the mm-hmm. difficult part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's going to sound so cliche, but it really is about the journey because it's not about that like virality moment, even though that's what society kind of is tricking us into thinking that it is, because when you when it does happen, you're already you already have a catalog ready for an album, right? You already have a live show ready, like if you're someone like Kyler who's gigging, when that happens, Kyler's going to be ready f- to to be on stage. But when mm-hmm. you uh pluck these TikTok talkers out of uh, obscurity, they don't know what to do, you know, because they, they <laughs> hadn't had the time to develop. So I I and I feel like everybody on this call has a very great mentality of that. And it's mm-hmm. I've gained such a lot of uh insights just from listening to you guys.
4: Yeah. I'm glad.
0: Yeah. Um, Thank you. And yeah. so we are running up on time. But before we go, I do want everybody to sort of talk about what projects they have coming up music or otherwise that you want our listeners to tune into. And then also, if you can shout out your main socials that uh, we can all follow you guys at. And uh, I'll just start with Rissa
2: okay what i want to shout out i recently did another library album Not some um, christmas music but it's done in world music style so i had a chance to record some sitar some trumpet some kalimba and i've got some great versions of old lang sun in like in african and in latin and then i got a great version of deck the halls as indian with a great sitar player which is going to be coming to like a tv show near you soon maybe in the united states or somewhere internationally And it's also going to be, it's going to be mainly for film and TV, but it should also be on Spotify. So watch out for that. And you can find me at ristocomposer.com where you can see all of my socials.
0: All right. Then anyone can get (laughs) up.
4: You can find me at uh, Michaela D five, six, seven. That's M I C H A E L A D five, six, seven. For there you'll find in my bio, the uh, links to, the CT social media and golden poppy social media. Um, most recently I released my sophomore album called come home to yourself.
1: Okay. Um, Congrats.
4: So thanks, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, it's actually written, performed and produced Pretty much all by me. There's a couple drummers on there here and there. And then um, Philip Lasseter, the horn player and arranger for Prince, is on one of the tunes as well.
1: Nice.
4: Um, other than that, Golden Poppy artists are killing it. We got uh, Four Feather who's coming out with something on May 26th, his first single in a while called Oat Milk. We have mm. Sheba Elliott just tearing it through her album release cycle right now. So definitely oh. go and check those guys out. Oh, that's awesome.
6: Uh, you can find all of my music on any streaming platform under Kyler Avery. I have a website called kylermusic.com. Um, all of my social media is Kyler Avery and that's K-I-E-L-E-R-A-V-E-R-Y. And uh, my my main social media is Instagram, but I also have Facebook and Twitter and all kinds of stuff. I have a TikTok too, and I'm gigging all around San Diego all the time. So if you follow me on any of that, you can see where I'm playing and I'll, Probably I'll be around.
7: <laughs> hey, you can find me on Instagram. My username's it's Nat Moore. And that's pretty much my username for anything. So anywhere you want to find me, that's where I'm at. Um, and you can also find a, a film that I was in called Hidden Lives, where I performed a song actually for the film under um, all social media for a Greek God Entertainment, which is the production company for the film. And I'd really love it if people would listen to the song that I played in that. So yeah, check it out. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. And Aaron and Chris.
3: Well, I'll go. Um, it's Aaron with an E. You can find me pretty much. I don't know if you uh, Instagram is probably the easiest. Aaron Carrera. I'll spell it. I guess C A R E R E. It's it's like the Porsche, but different. It's Italian. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Aaron Carrera, L A. It looks like Aaron Carrera. And then you can find me all over any other many. I would say pretty much every other social media platform. I mean, even on a bunch of the ones that we all joined when we were all going to leave Twitter, but then we went back to Twitter. Anyway, that was a whole <laughs> moment <in> time. <laughs> I'm like, Mastodon, what? Um, and uh, the thing that I'm kind of excited about recently is a project, an independent uh television sitcom it's like a rom-com action comedy that i wrote produced and starred in it's called spy versus spia it's about rival international spies in a love-hate relationship and my character is an opera singing spy but i also got Mm. to fulfill my dream of singing a spy theme song because i sang the theme song for the project we have a couple more festivals it's going on right now here in la through the end of the month of may at the flow feel it's called the la Comedy film festival through flow feel and you can find that on you know everywhere online youtube and then we have a couple festivals left in europe um for sure one in barcelona in september and one in wallachia aka home of vlad the impaler the original dracula i don't know why i'm so excited about that but i'm (laughs) so excited about that and that's also in september and we'll see where else we land but uh, that you can find me at any of those places And after Valachia, we'll see what
0: happens. (laughs) And Opera Singing Spy sounds really cool. I'm going to definitely check that out. (laughs)
4: Thanks. That sounds great.
0: And then Chris?
5: Yeah, for me, um, if you're interested in working with me as a mixer or producer, you can find out all information about that at sangstersounds.com. That's S-A-N-G-S-T-E-R-S-O-U-N-D-S.com. I'm at Sangster Sounds on all social media. Um, I really do a lot of content uh, teaching people Logic Pro. So if you want to learn more about Logic, follow me on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. Um, I have a Logic Pro masterclass coming out later this summer, so stay tuned for that. And if you want to hear some of my own personal music, um, search me, Chris Sangster, on Spotify. I released a solo album last year called Find A Way. I'd love for you all to check it out. So thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. And again, what a great conversation between each and every one of you. I gained a lot of wisdom and I'm really looking forward to seeing where your careers take you from here. We'll definitely be connecting uh, offline. So thank you so much to everybody who joined the call today. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of In The Mix. I appreciate Voyage and Canvas Rebel for giving us a space to talk. And I will catch you guys at the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Cheers. Nice
3: to meet you all.
0: Yeah. Nice to meet you guys. Likewise. (laughs) Nice to meet you guys. Same.